David, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. Um, just watched you unveil a new Aston Martin. Tell us a little bit about it. It's exciting. Yeah, this is the Aston Martin DB12, and it's it's new from the ground up. It is new on the outside. The sheet metal is has been changed. The you still have like that Hallmark S grill, the Bond-esque DB5 look That's what to it. Everybody thinks of the silhouette is still definitely Aston Martin, but there's a lot of new technical enhancements. There is uh, like the interior is new. I think that's something that Aston Martin owners have always spoke about the beauty of the interior, but they you know they're bringing it into a new age now with even more opulence, better electronics. Yeah, it's a step up, I think. Well, so um, Aston Martin buyers are different than Ferrari buyers or different True. than yeah. other, other. And your company, uh, your firm really helps identify the differentiations. We talk a lot about what's in the consumer's mind, even like so we a lot of our listeners and viewers are more retail automotive on the, the non ultra luxury. Sure. Side, I yeah. guess I'll say that. So but tell me some of the, the differences in the Aston Martin customer and how you go about distinguishing those things. I think we can probably take away a few things from a, like a psychographic marketing mindset. Aston Martin people like to drive. And you could say that about Porsche people. You could say that about Ferrari people or Lamborghini yep. people. But Aston Martin owners are not always concerned about numbers. And the numbers on the DB12 are impressive. You know, you're three and a half seconds to 60 and you get class leading 671 horsepower. But the experience for an Aston Martin owner is greater than just the numbers. Okay. So Aston Martin owners are guys who will drive on a weekend and they will go four hours out to a, a beautiful place to have lunch and maybe stay overnight. It's an experience for an Aston Martin owner. And if they say, hey, I just want to take a mountain road and I just want to, you know, roll out at a fairly high rate of speed and then stop at a chateau and enjoy time and eat a, a wonderful lunch. Sounds like it, what James Bond does when he's not and, and fighting that's other, you know, like world dominating. It, and that's, I think that's formed a lot of people's it absolutely ideas. Has. Well, that makes sense because it was so iconic and the persona of Bond so iconic it's mm -hmm. like civilized yet adventure seeking yeah right and you kind of like pair those two and like i think that people migrate toward that it's interesting uh the history of some of the aston martin my my friend actually designed the v12 oh wow and the he, engine yes the engine the original one in the 90s Oof, wow. and he was telling me they did research at the time and they were talking to owners about their experiences and it was it was often a, I mean, it, it, it came up a lot. The, the experience of going down a little B road in England and pulling off to the side and maybe your indicator light was out or something else happened and you, you walked to the local farmhouse and you met a wonderful couple and you spent <laughs> the afternoon and you drank wine. And he went, what, what is this? This is not your typical owner. And, and that has also, you know, been kind of the, uh, the evolution of Aston Martin. It's, it's, in the history of that. Whereas if you look at uh, other performance bent vehicles, it's maybe about being brash or being noticed or being, Aston Martin, another thing about Aston Martin actually is it's it can be unnoticed. 
it can be like a, a Porsche is very much you see a 911 and all the 911s mm-hmm. kind of look alike. And if you have a performance 911 or you have a base 911, most people see it at a gas station. And they go, oh, that's a 911. He's a Porsche driver. If you're in a Lamborghini, boy, you know, people yes. come out. Yeah. And and see if you're in an Aston Martin, the people who know, know. Yeah. And the people who don't know. Pass on by. Kind of just go by. Are there any plans for electrification? That I you knew know I was going to get this. I have to ask. I mean, EVs were the topic, and Aston Martin seems like the type of car you want to hear. Yeah. And when you're driving it, but I don't, I don't know. Have you heard any talkers? So the, the Valhalla is it? a hybrid, actually. Oh, okay. So it's 998 horsepower, and it is a performance hybrid. But they are working on that technology. They want the hybrid and and then the future EV to be. Something special, something yeah. very special. So, in I, there's nothing I can really discuss sure. right now, but I would say Valhalla, if you look at it, it is very much a performance bent vehicle, but it is a hybrid powertrain. Well, David, thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. It was a lot of fun to watch the product reveal, and I'm going to go take a closer look at the awesome. car. Awesome. Thank you. Enjoy. I'm sitting here with uh, Jim, the sales manager at Rolls Royce Washington, which is Probably not the most typical sales manager job in the world of what sales managers. That's for like sure, yeah. and it's fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So, have has is Highline always been a part of your automotive journey? It has been from from day one. My my first job in the car business was uh, Mercedes Benz and BMW. Okay, yeah, uh, which is a little different than Rolls Royce. And you've but just gone up the the expense list ever yeah, since then. I really yeah. have. Yep. Uh, so you are here uh, here at Public Policy Day, and there's a, a ton of conversation around electric vehicles. Um, and we've got over here, sitting behind us, uh, the the most uh, recent release of Rolls Royce and their electric vehicle, the Spectre. Tell us a little bit about how that launch has been accepted uh, by the Rolls Royce and the that that community. Well, they uh, we started taking orders for the car a little over a year ago. Um, we had renderings uh people knew what it was going to look like they had an idea of what the price was going to be uh, most of the questions were around price and range uh, they were not willing to commit to a range at that point they said it would be similar to a gasoline powered rolls royce hmm. a- and it is uh, and then we finally announced price and finally announced range and the orders are still coming in. Wow. Uh, we're sold out uh, about 18 months of production now. So wow. if you gave me an order today, uh, you're looking at, uh, what would that be, uh, summer of 25? 2025. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible for a vehicle. of It's it's a, it's a an over five half a million dollar vehicle, yeah. correct? Yeah. And what's the range on it? Uh, well, of course, you know, I'm supposed to say it depends. Right, right. Uh, yes. It depends on temperature and the load in the car and, and the terrain and so on. But you can figure uh, 300 miles. Yeah, which is really good for yeah, for, for an electric vehicle. Well, for point. Rolls. I mean, nobody's going to get in a Rolls and drive across the country. Right, exactly. Uh, so here's my question, and I think this is important because a lot of a lot of people may look at Highline dealers and go, "It's just a different world." It's and and it, to, in some respects it is, but it's still people buying cars. Um, talk to me a little bit about the experience that is not just expected but given when selling and purchasing a, a, Roy, a Rolls Royce. We we're just completing a three million dollar renovation to our Rolls Royce showroom, and it's all about creating an experience. Uh, 
So there's a bar. Yeah. And in that bar, we have it all. We've got an espresso machine. We've got beer. We've got wine. We've got soft drinks. We've got whatever you want uh, to start uh, the process. Uh, there's a separate configuration room, which is very private. You go in and close the door. Uh, in there are literally hundreds of samples of paint, leathers, stitchings, uh, and other things that you can specify, tread plates, um, carpets, headliners, convertible wow. tops, all of these things for a customer to feel in touch. And then I've got uh, computer graphics where I can take their spec and put it up on the screen so they can see exactly what their car is going to look like wow. when it arrives in the store. So that's the beginning, uh, or, or it could be the beginning. Right. But generally, our customers will go to London uh, and really get the full experience. Wow. So if you fly to London, uh, Rolls will pick you up at the airport or at your hotel, your choice, in a Rolls, chauffeur you to the factory. Uh, you get lunch or dinner tour the factory, and then a couple of hours to see uh, maybe 50, 60 Rolls Royces that are in production and the various colors and trims that they have, as well as samples of virtually everything Rolls has ever done. So it's it's a special experience. A number of my customers have done it, and they come back overwhelmed. I'm sure. Because yeah. it, they do two a day. Wow, so, yeah. So when so you're you only there, get 600 a year. Yeah, yeah. So when you're there, you get all the attention. It is it is a different type of experience, but it's still people buying cars, getting experience with a human, uh, interacting with them. Um, you uh, right before we we jumped in, you were talking also a, little, a lot about what you do in the community um, to give back and and to support the community through charitable works. Talk a little bit about like what you're actually doing, well, and, and the, how you get that done. The sports cars are. Uh, a, a critical part of our business is it, it's uh, supplemental to the Rolls-Royce business, but it's rare that we sell a Rolls-Royce to someone that doesn't own one or more of our sports cars. Mm. So we do, for example, a Toys for Tots rally. And uh, every Christmas, uh, we had, I think, about 100 cars this year. Everybody comes with a toy or more. Some people come with 20 or 30 toys. We gather that all up for the Marine Corps. And then we drive to the hospital with all these fancy cars and the kids are waving to us from the windows, uh, knowing of course that their teddy bears on the way up the steps, right? That's so cool. But they love yeah. seeing the cars. And and we enjoy doing that for uh, for them and for our customers, giving our customers an opportunity to participate to in that sort of thing. That's really so, cool that you get the, it's not just like, you know, a few people from the dealership. It's like, oh, we're no, we're going to bring the whole customer community in to do this thing you bet. for our community. Yeah. And we'll have in the summer, we'll do a what we call Dawn Patrol, which is the guys come out before the sun comes up. We get all the cars set up and take off to uh, a, a venue, whether it's a breakfast venue or a winery or something like that. And it costs $150 to do it, but the money all goes to a charity. I love and it. And we rotate those. Yep. So our customers can afford to do it, and it's our way of facilitating that sort of thing. We don't pick the charity, they do. Ah, I love that. That's so awesome. if, if we did it for March of Dimes this time, a customer might say, hey, listen, I'd like for you to do the next one for the American Cancer Society. And so we do. 
That's amazing. Well, Jim, thanks for sharing a little bit about uh, something that a not a lot of not not a lot of automotive people actually get to experience that that you've had a unique uh, purview into. You know, I've loved every second of it. You can Good. believe it. Good. Thanks for thanks for uh, having me. Absolutely appreciate it.